0: It's actually sad that the majority of marketers still don't understand. This is about convergence and divergence. But we need to make the mainstream messages more multicultural without sacrificing the opportunity or the the need to have authentic messages to Hispanics, because Hispanics expect that. The discussion should not be about reaching, should be about connecting.
1: Somewhere between the good and the bad There's marketers that just want to check the mark, which, again, loses authenticity on how to connect with those consumers.
0: We are not regular people. Agencies like ours and business like ours should be actually compensated more.
1: Welcome to Loud and Clear, This is episode 8 of the fifth season of this podcast created for those who give a shit about advertising. Today, sitting in front of me at the Lerma headquarters, we have someone who evidently cares. Coming from Miami, he is one of the most iconic personalities in multicultural marketing today, Mr. Isaac Mizrahi, a Brazilian national with over 20 years living in the US, is the CEO of Alma, probably the most awarded Hispanic advertising agency in the U.S. to date. Today, Isaac comes as an author. He has recently published a book titled Hispanic Market Power, America's Business Growth Engine. This is a book that comes to life after several years serving as a writer and contributor to Forbes magazine. Uh, And I have got to tell you, It frames the opportunity of the Hispanic market under the context of multicultural market in an easy to digest and understandable way that almost, I would say, anybody gets. So far from what I read, this is a reference book that is good to have handy when speaking to clients, building presentations, and defining brand strategies for brands that want to connect with Hispanics. Anytime you need data points or rationale to convince clients why marketing for Hispanics makes sense from a value and monetary perspective, you could reference this book. Isaac, this podcast, loud and clear as we talk, aims to challenge the status quo of what we understand as the industry today. And I feel that this book does precisely that. So thank you for writing it. And thank you for being here. Welcome.
0: Thank you, Pancho. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Uh, thanks for the introduction. I, I'm going to hire you as my salesman. Did my I sales forget man. anything? No, or? that's it. That's <laughs> it. Um, you know, you touched all the good points and and I'm glad you like the book. Um, and I'm looking forward to conversation about the book and about my career with uh, the podcast listeners.
1: Yes. And uh, prior to starting uh, the recording, you started touching on a point that I have here as my first talking point, where I say, where do we start? And I was suggesting, why don't we start uh, that you were actually a client? Uh, and that, in my mind, allowed you to develop certain empathy into what marketers are going through when they're trying to sell an opportunity in the US, like the Hispanic market. It's not an easy sell, right?
0: Uh, yes, that, and that's one of the main reasons I decided to, to write the book um, when i a lot of people they they shared with me that i may have a different perspective uh, that's very unique not many clients after many years at senior positions they move to the agency side It's mostly the other way around right yes um and uh, and what what this move uh, helped me with is the ability to have a different perspective, specifically when we talked about the Hispanic opportunity or the multicultural one. As a client, I had my ups and downs, my struggles, my questions, my issues uh, that I had to face with. And now as an agency executive for the past 14 years, I had the opportunity to do uh, a very good analysis working with a multiple number of brands. Um, so in different name, industries, different ranges, different sizes, different challenges. So collecting the learnings that I had as a client, plus the past 15 years as an agency, allowed me to have a perspective. And people ask me, what is the biggest thing about the perspective? I think one of the biggest things is the fact that now, 2023, there may be companies or brands they are still trying to figure out the opportunity, mm-hmm. but I think most of them are already there. 62 million Hispanics, 19% of the population, etc. Et the cetera, census, et right? It yeah. helps
1: recognize the, the Absolutely.
0: Value. I think the biggest thing is how to move from the opportunity into action. Yes. Um, I, and the book uh, is a tentative. You mentioned the book as a reference book. It was created as a reference book. It's not linear as you, as, as a reader, was able to, to realize is to help companies, marketing executives, anyone doing business around multicultural marketing in America to move from opportunity to action. Uh, It's time to stop the debate around whether you should or not invest in Hispanic marketing. Now the debate should be on how to invest, how to allocate resources, how much you invest, what are the tools of the product, the marketing mix you're going to be using. Those are the debates that I think that uh, need to happen nowadays because it's past the time to debate whether or not invest in a Hispanic market.
1: Yeah, I was telling some colleagues when I was reading it, it's like, it's it's, it's fun because this book you can, you know, if you, we've asked in this business, and obviously you know, but like we've asked to have some proof points sometimes, right? To sell whether it's a concept or an activation or whatever. And this book helps you say, well, I mean, here's case studies that did it. Here's here's some data that could help support that. I think it's great that you've seen, because the Hispanic market its not what it is today, it's not what it was 20 years ago, but seeing that evolution, yes. right? I also started very young in the Hispanic market. Um, I'm curious to ask you, what do you think is the state of multicultural marketing today? What is good, what is bad, what is the ugly?
0: Okay, uh, let's go there. Uh, what is good, what makes me excited? Um, the data, the data points, mainly the demographic data, population, population growth trajectory, how young the population is, educational uh, attainment, high school graduations, college graduations, involvement, which edu- higher education attainment brings higher household income, income going f- uh, growing faster than the average household in America, small business formation, whatever data point you look, either from the census or other uh, ancillary data points, mm-hmm. they point in the right trajectory if you are uh, investing on a Hispanic market. So that's that's great. And if if you know a little bit about demographic uh, data, is that they don't change from one year to another one. It's very hard to alter a trajectory of demographic trends. So that tells me that not only the, the past decades have been strong, the present has been strong, but for the next 5, 15, 10 years, that's more or less the trajectory that we are going the outlook is is, is, is about that so that's what excites me something that's very different that it's still a struggle it's the preconceived idea that hispanic segment it's acculturating the one size Mm. fits all the total market speech um, that because the majority of Hispanics in America right now were born here, they are fully bilingual, they speak English, sometimes they don't even speak Spanish, so there's still this pervasive thinking of assimilation and acculturation as a, as a necessarily thing that's going to happen, it's a natural thing. Um, and that's not what we are seeing.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and, and so that is a little bit frustrating because the people that advocate the total market approach, the one size fits all, the assimilation of the Hispanic youth, mainly millennials and generation uh, Zs, they are either seeing that completely out of ignorance, so they haven't seen the data, and and you know, the book is partially, you know, trying to show people the latest data. Or they are doing this because they are afraid of changing their marketing the processes, mm-hmm. the way they do that. They are afraid of uh, the way that uh, budgets are allocated, resources are prioritized. Uh, so um, myself and you know others like you guys here at Lerma and, and other leaders, the media companies, the research companies, we are here to show the latest insights. And what we know is that the total market one size fits all doesn't work anymore and actually cost a lot of money Uh, it costs a lot of money to a lot of companies still today they're trying to recover from the tragedy of adopting total market Um, now to be very clear you didn't ask this but this is something that people ask me a lot so what is the alternative to total market because i don't have money people tell me to have a 365 hispanic campaign running parallel to my mainstream and I think that's a very good question, because mm-hmm. I don't think that's the point either. What most of us, and I'm talking about particularly my point of view, is what we need to do is, is a combination of two different lines that sometimes they run parallel. So you pick some key moments in your calendar, your promotional windows, and you try to inject specific Hispanic authentic storytelling mm-hmm. in these windows it may be two out of 12 windows uh, or three out of uh, 12 windows in a year and you do that to drive specific authentic storytelling to drive your business and in the other windows you're not passive just translating messages you're working together with your mainstream team your mainstream agencies and you make stories that are great for the overall market but also they don't alienate multicultural consumers. So Which it's is a, the
1: reality of America, right?
0: Like- I think so. I think so. But, there, you know, it's funny that of not funny, it's actually sad that the majority of marketers still don't understand this is about convergence and divergence, but the divergence is not a completely one and the convergence is not a completely one, but we need to make the mainstream messages more multicultural without sacrificing the opportunity or the the need to have authentic messages to Hispanics because Hispanics expect that. Yes. It's not the nice to, to to have. They expect brands to recognize them for their culture uh, and they expect this to be represented in advertising and marketing programs.
1: Oh, I mean it's all about at the end of the day of connecting with consumers, right? Uh, it, it's true to other ethnic groups within the U.S. and how they convert, right, with the culture. I remember growing up as a young copywriter here in the U.S. And, and, and doing Hispanic marketing with all its nuances back then in 99, 2000, and then driving up, headed home, listening to hip hop and, and looking at shows at HBO, which was, what is my reality? I was going back and forth, which is a little bit of what you're talking about, right? It's just um, touching my heart in the right moment and winking at me with messages that I can easily digest and say, yeah. okay, this is for me, right? And
0: And you know, another thing that um, that we debate a lot, sometimes the discussion becomes more a media discussion, reach, frequency, and I have Touch advertisers points. that say, but you know, um, 85% of my, the Hispanic population is covered by mainstream general market media plan. So I'm already reaching them. Yeah. And I think that the discussion should not be about reaching, should be about connecting. Reaching is not equal to connecting. Reaching is just an opportunity. Somebody's gonna see the ad. Connecting is speaking to the heart, as you mentioned a few seconds ago, to the heart, to the soul. It's something that goes beyond the rational. Which you have is, a
1: very good quote of Nelson Mandela about yes, that.
0: Yes, but in the end of the day, um, that that's what we know that makes marketing and advertising to work. It's not a rational decision. It's a decision that happens in the brain but in the unconscious part of the brain right um so so this is not rational like buy my product you need to find avenues to connect emotionally with these consumers and we know today 2023 that we didn't know when i came to the us 1999 that what are the elements that makes a creative idea effective among hispanics it's about authenticity cultural insights, dialogues, contextual situations, the use of humor, Hispanic, Latin humor, right? Not Anglo humor. These elements- Which is not private, always just language. Not right? language, not language. All of these together make a, a message more authentic, which has a probability of higher ROI, return on investment, of up to three or four times. This is data. This is not an opinion. This is data from Nielsen, from the ANA Sim data that's coming from Kantar, Um,
1: Now we have results, right? Absolutely. And we
0: didn't have that 25 years ago when I immigrated from South America to the US and started working on multicultural marketing. So that's a little bit long answer for your question, but that's the the good, the bad and the ugly. Now I'm bullish. I'm bullish because the data is in our side. We finally have the, the right marketing mix modeling and ROI. And the fact that some brands do not believe Actually, it's not bad because that means that their competitors are going to be uh, swimming alone in the pool yeah. uh, and they're going to be making money. Um, so, And one day, these people that don't believe are going to call you, is going to call me, he's going to call other agencies and say, hey, I need help. Yeah. And uh, and we're gladly really going to help them because I, I have conviction of what I wrote in the book and what we are talking about.
1: Yeah. And somewhere between the good and the bad, there's marketers that just want to check the mark which again loses authenticity on how to connect to those consumers. Right? Absolutely.
0: It's the post we are in the middle at the beginning, actually, of the Hispanic Heritage Month. Yeah. A lot of brands and advertisers are going to have the famous posts and the things and check the box. Other way of checking the box you, that I'm seeing more and more, it's representation, casting and say, so, what well, what do you mean? I need to have something separate. I have a Latino a Latina in my TV ad. I have an abuela. I have somebody saying, hola, que tal, in a TV ad in English. And I say, you know what, I I don't like to criticize this because representation is better than no representation. But you have to be very naive to think that That just by casting, you're going to approach that. Again, going back to the learnings from the new study, the ANA sim study, it's about the context. The storytelling needs to be something that consumers feel that this is something relevant and authentic that may happen uh, or, or, or will happen or happens in their lives nowadays. So it's the story, it's not the casting, right? The casting is important, but the story that we are portraying on that creative idea is what makes an ad more relevant, more authentic than not.
1: Yeah. Um- I mean, reading the book, I was like, "Wow, what a repertory of personalities and quotes from you know very important people in, that have done a lot for this business, a lot of people I know, and, and, and so many good case studies, which you were making reference today, right? Like today we have those numbers, we have those results that we can use as proof points that doing something does translate in, in business gains. Um, one that struck to me was your, which was early w- when you when you came was uh, next your Nextel example. Yes. From Don, you know they had that campaign Don, uh, to to instead of translating H Can we talk a little bit about? Yes, like, yes. Let's. Like, I don't want you to give the book no, away. But no, no, you no.
0: Know? No, no spoilers here. Uh, that's that's a favorite story because actually that was one of my first um, realizations that. Hispanic marketing is not about language, it's about culture, and, and it, it's an, I, you know, let me figure it out, this was 1994, oh no, 2004, okay. sorry, so it's been almost 20 years, and it's still a relevant case. So, basically, um, I came to the U.S. with Coca-Cola, was a Coca-Cola executive, I came from the Brazil division to work in the Latin American division, I work in the global marketing division, Coke USA, after many years I moved to Bell South, Latin America, wireless Company doing business in Latin America, and then I moved to Nextel. So that was my beginning in Nextel. For those who are so young that they don't know what Nextel is, yeah. they used to be a wireless company, but they were a little bit special. They had a product called a walkie-talkie, officially was called push-to-talk, um, that allow instant communication, like a walkie-talkie does. And that product was very relevant for business, small business professionals. But for us Hispanics there was a little catch that was very positive nextel had a network in brazil mexico argentina peru and chile and people could actually buy a nextel product in the u.s subscribe for a regular wireless plan Mm -hmm. but the walkie-talkie would be free so the walkie-talkie they could have unlimited walkie-talkie talk to the conference that i mentioned uh, for free So it was an extreme, extreme, great value uh, deal for Latinos. So it became a sensation among Latinos. Long story short, I arrived in the company in 2004. And then there was a general market campaign being developed by an amazing agency, uh, Chaya, TBWA, Chaya Mm -hmm. Day. um, And the, the campaign was based on a tagline, done. And the whole idea was about going straight to the point with the walkie-talkie I didn't need to go to the menu, find your name, call, wait for you to to, to get the, pick up the call, maybe leave a voicemail right and remember this is before get the iPhone. This, point this point. is before the iPhone yeah uh, again uh, it was a little bit troublesome to took some time. So the walkie talkie is hey where is the bo- where are the boxes? Where's the delivery or are you coming to dinner? you know lots of situations straight to the point. And done was a great campaign, visually amazing visual campaign, visually beautiful. And then I arrived uh, at the company, and my first task was to work with my team and my agency at that time, an agency called Accent Marketing. Yes. Uh, that does not exist anymore. I
1: remember that. Um,
0: and um, and we, we went to Focus Group, and we learned very fast that the Hispanic consumer, the target, was not as warm to the campaign as the the non-Hispanic consumers and we went a little bit deeper and we dig deeper and why. And there is something about this straight to the point that while it could be good in some situations, it was considered very cold, uh, borderline, non, non-polite, non-friendly. Uh, non-friendly, not warm uh, with Hispanics. Because, you know, when, when even if you go to a business situation, we always talk about, you know, how's your day, how's how your kids and how, how was your weekend? Yeah, yeah. Did, did you see the game last night? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, and then naturally, organically, you get to whatever business situation you may have. Right. That's that's who we are. That some people joke that in order to say something that takes two minutes in English, maybe it takes 10 minutes mm-hmm. in Spanish. Right. Uh, this is our culture. Uh, so that was a little bit of noise that was picked up in lots of focus groups. Uh, so then we had a challenge here because we cannot change the product. The product is the product, right? Yeah. Um, so how to portray the the concept of done uh, in the but understanding and respecting the cultural boundaries and expectations of the Hispanic segment? Uh, and the, the agency brilliantly um, worked on an idea that was represented by a tagline next to Yeah, which is right now right uh and the the right now portray immediacy Mm -hmm. but immediacy on a positive way the people that you need either from a business or that you love they're accessible whenever you need them and we created several situations using humor some less humorous family business wife kids pick up at the school etc that the walkie-talkie was portrayed Not as an intrusive code tool, Mm -hmm. but actually a a bridge that connected Latino families and business in a relevant, authentic way. So that's a little bit the spin. Now, to close the story, when we launched the campaign, um, some employees, Latino employees, came to complain uh, to the leadership of the company that we translated the campaign badly. That Nextel done should be translated Nextel Echo," and not... Yeah. And then they said, well, see, that's what happens when you hire a Brazilian that doesn't speak Spanish and put in charge of the campaign. And then um, then, of course, everything was cool. The leadership knew that this was not a translation. I actually actually met with the the, the ERG group at that time, the leadership of Latinos employees. We showed the research, showed everything. They understood and they clapped and they supported. So. you know, the campaign was extremely successful. Um, Nextel, even though it was a, the smaller of the mobile operators, it had a disproportional market share uh, with Hispanics and a very profitable one. But that for me was my first experience understanding the limitations of translations and also what maybe one could call a cultural translation, yes. not a grammatic, grammar or a language translation. I think that we need to be fluent in in the language, but in the culture. Culture is the new language. Uh, And it has been for a while, and I think it's gonna be for years to come.
1: No, I mean, I think it's a great insight. And and, and again, when we're trying to, of course, there's many things that what we call the general market Hispanics could relate to, but having that cultural behavior, or cultural knowledge of that behavior uh, is key. When I was reading that case study, not only I loved it, but it also reminded me when I came back the U.S. in 2012, uh, WhatsApp was a thing in Latin America uh, and Europe, Um, but it was not a thing here in the United States, and reading this case study, uh, it reminded me also of of how the walkie-talkie helped connect, especially people in the border, without having those high costs of of calls, right? Um, So anyway, super interesting, but I wanted to ask you another thing that I kind of experience coming back and that we're all experiencing now is um, in 2012 versus 2002, where you had Univision, Telemundo, you had very, very well-defined media placements that were Hispanic. Yes. Uh, Nowadays, thanks to digital, uh, it's almost like they open the floodgates and a lot of new media or emerging media uh, has, has come to light. That does not necessarily portray what Univision thought Hispanics were. Uh, It portrays more what you talk about in your book, which is a mix going back and forth between culture, uh, being 100% Hispanic, 100% American. Um, My challenge was how do I find these Hispanics in a digital world that does not identify with just language? What are your thoughts around that? Like, how do you? Of course, culture, as you're saying. Absolutely. Do you
0: have any other ideas? You know, it's funny but you mentioned the 100% Hispanic, 100% American. We, we you know, um, we at Alma, we we were one of the first ones to say that we, we launched a paper called uh, Fusionistas. We mm-hmm. call this consumer Fusionistas because they fusion the two cultures. And we've been um, working on that direction for, for many, many years. Um, so uh, I think that uh, the interesting thing is that technology allowed the cost of production and the cost of distribution of content to significantly decrease over the years. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the fantastic thing. I think the negative thing is that it's a much more fragmented media have to po- work harder. <laughs> touch point marketplaces and, and fragmented also to work harder, but it's it's hard to get the reach that we used to right with a few ads on univision telemundo sbs radio Univision radio some out of homes and that's it that's it right You, you had like yeah now it's a little bit harder but this is not an issue of the hispanic market alone this is you know the issue of the challenges of linear tv and and streaming so this is not a hispanic issue which sometimes people like to make it look like um, but uh, well, it's an issue
1: of where to find them, right? Like, yes. Where do I spend that Hispanic dollar yes. in that long tail? And
0: of? I think the ecosystem is coming probably a little bit slower. Uh, I'm glad to see a lot of podcasts. We're in the podcast right now. A lot of influencers. Um, uh, I think that another thing that is probably less sexy but something that also excites me is that we have better tools to do CRM, yeah. customer relationship marketing, email marketing, you can further customize content. It, it was something that we always knew that could happen, but the cost of developing content has also dropped. So now we have AI, you have softwares uh, that can help you to understand uh, past behaviors, current behaviors, predict predicting behaviors. So there are better mm-hmm. tools to Individualize the message from marketers to consumers, and in this process of individualization or customization, you have other opportunities to add the cultural layer because the cultural layer was represented by language only, yes, right? Yes, um, that was like our one field, Spanish right? or in English based on last name. Based on last name, I would screw up, Mizrahi would never come up as a Latino, right? right. Um, and uh, Cardenas, and yes, Cardenas for sure. <laughs> But, but the reality is that there are other dimensions, right? Uh, of occasions that you can learn about and, and uh, other tools that that advertisers can get uh, in order to create a more reasonable customized message. And as part of the customization, I hope that advertisers are gonna be looking for culture. Yes. Um, so it, it's, it's the bittersweet because in one side, the you have more opportunities but on the other side it's it's harder to get critical mass right uh but i think that's that's part of our marketing nowadays part of the game and yeah. and we, and we forget i think it's important to mention something that we haven't touched i think we for, we we are so into advertising and marketing that we feel that regular people they think like us and they don't because we are not regular people we are a little bit more I don't know, crazy, I guess, mm-hmm. in a good way. Oh, we're in the weeds, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, people don't wake up in the morning, thinking, oh, I cannot wait to see what advertising is going to be sent to my attention today. <laughs> Nobody thinks like that. In fact, uh, there's some
1: that wake up saying, "I'm willing to pay not to hear uh, that or,
0: or skip," right? No, really you know, um, and so, so, and and I think that's a good challenge because that's what differentiate agencies from highly creative agencies, brands from highly. Creative brands, right? It's the ability to avoid people skipping, people avoiding. Uh, People want to share your advertising, share your YouTube cases or whatever. Um, So we need to understand that this is the context that the advertising is seen as interruption. And, And that's one, yet another reason to actually be focused on culture. Because you need to speak the language of the heart. Um, and and, crea-
1: and creative and storytelling is the tool, and that's Absolutely. why it's still king in this business no matter what.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. That, that's why sometimes people talk about the AI and the threat of AI, and I say, well, you know, I don't know who am I to see what's the future, but I, I would like to see AI developing emotional storytelling, stories that make you smile, that make you laugh, that make you cry, because human beings are not predictable. Yeah. Right. And the whole assumption of algorithms, etc., is predictability, right? Projections. And the beautiful thing about us is that we are not predictable. And it takes a human to understand another human.
1: We we recently did some some uh, episodes on AI and, and 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 talking about creatives and the lived experiences of a creative, right? Or a, of a 30-year-old creative. It's like, how do you put that? On a system of AI to be able to know when you know what he feel when they change his diaper or when he failed the first time of a bike, like for to capture all of that within one person, I think it's almost close to impossible. We'll see what happens. We're excited. Uh, one of the questions I did I did have for you is is with all this AI revolution, we have noticed. I know you guys have been playing with AI. Uh, um, in, in the agency, we have too, but we have noticed a little bit of bias, right? In the results yeah. of, of what we're getting, is it lacks diversity.
0: I wrote a, an article, it was, it was not in the book because I had a cutoff time in the book, but for those who would like to keep... So maybe it's a hint to a second book? Oh, <laughs> Maybe, maybe. Um, I need to recover after the first one, but for those who are, they, they want to see more of my work, they can go to Forbes.com and with my name there or even follow me on LinkedIn that I tend to post everything but I wrote an article exactly about that we tend to forget that AI is built by humans right the algorithm algorithm is built by humans so if these human have any kind of a bias conscious or unconscious sometimes you know the, the buyers are not like on purpose like they're unconscious bias it's going to be reflected on the algorithm is going to be reflected in the outcome of whatever AI tool you're using so we have to be very aware of bias but just Putting that aside, I'm very excited about new technology. I think AI can be a great productivity tool uh, to any business. Yes. Um, it, 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 it can be used also to spark different avenues of things that you may not be creating Uh, from a visual device I'm fascinated by how animated uh, movies and shorts uh, or 30-second scripts can be put into life to facilitate uh, research, focus groups, instead of drawing the animatics and things like that. So I think that there are a lot of great things that AI can bring to the creative environment and to the society overall. We need to be aware of the bias and we need to see this um transformation as tools to help us not to replace her Correct. Us. Yeah,
1: so. we're super excited as well I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that um and speaking we at some point we, we talked a little bit about the cost of of doing things and and i love that you have a section in your book because part of why loud and clear was created was to also talk about the things we're probably uncomfortable on talking with one-on-one clients um, but the idea I loved seeing in your book the idea that Hispanic agencies' compensation uh, is expected to be lower than the general market. Uh, And I've always, again, uh, uh, me in this business and and knowing what a lot of my colleagues and the industry has put out there as far as work and quality of work, I've always felt very uncomfortable with that reality. Uh, How do we change that? What are your thoughts about (laughs) that? What's happening?
0: And it's not only on compensation for the agencies. Production budgets are also assigned sometimes in a lower level. Uh, So there's a double standard. 30
1: seconds of Hispanic cost less than 30 seconds of GM. Uh,
0: You know, the funny thing is that one can make the case that agencies like ours and business like ours should be actually compensated more. Oh, at Uh, least... Most of us are bilingual, bicultural. We have extensive interna- international experience. We have worked in several categories. Um, we are experts on the fastest growing segment of the population in America, and probably one of the only sources of growth for several categories, right? So I think that we need to actually uh, be not only equally charged, but you know, maybe there is a premium to what we do. Um, unfortunately, we only change that by Asserting our value and also not being desperate to say yes to everything and everyone, I think sometimes it's our own mistakes. Yes, uh, somebody told me once that we Latinos we 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 mean to please,
1: we want to make the sale, too, uh, right?
0: but but not only from a commercial standpoint, we have a hard time saying no. Yes, um, don't know if you would agree with me totally. When um, I went to
1: Mexico, a friend told me the only problem you're going to have in Mexico or with Latino is you're going to walk out of every meeting. And you're gonna think you make the sale because we don't know how to say no
0: (laughs) (laughs) so so i think that um that uh, needs to be changed uh and sometimes you have to draw the line and say hey you know i'm sorry no uh, we need to avoid these double standards and that this double standards not only happen in compensation or production budget how many times you heard something like sorry, but we're not going to invest in Hispanic marketing because we did something uh, three quarters ago, didn't work well, and we decided to stop. And my reaction is, so what happens when your mainstream marketing didn't work out? You cut it. You, You abandon it? Probably you have to reinvent. You have to rethink your strategy, your product, distribution, pricing, creative idea, agency, so be it. But you don't stop doing marketing. You don't stop doing advertising. Why would you stop when... You have the first bump in the road when it comes to Hispanic or multicultural marketing. That's for me, is a double standard, too.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, research, you have to prove to me that there's going to be an ROI. You have to be certain. Well, are you certain on everything else that you do? Do you have all the scrutiny of ROI for everything else that you do? So why the Hispanic marketing program needs to be double scrutinized versus your general market efforts?
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that should be an open conversation I'm, I'm glad it's here and I know that there's a lot of uh, groups that are already talking about it in a more open way, and definitely I want to be a part of that group, so um, I'm, glad, I'm glad you brought it up. Um, and again, yes, you know, multicultural thought leadership, one could argue that it might be a little more expensive or at least harder to find. And you talk a, li- a little bit about that, about cultural intelligence led by planning. And what I was reading is, one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, is that there's a way to get intelligent with culture and that one is the academic way through observation and the other one is through lived experiences. What are your thoughts on those two ways, right? I think it's a mix at the end of the day, but, uh, (laughs) you know, I do believe there's planners that, you know, from GM, we've seen it, right? From GM that come to Hispanic and are brilliant, right? Uh, but i also see ones that grew up in that in, in the business that grew up with families etc that also bring insights that nobody would say in the room
0: yeah you know i i, I don't know the answer for that to be honest with you uh, that's a very very rich question what I can tell you is that a going back to the beginning of this podcast i when i move from the client side to the agency side i gain a level of appreciation to the planning uh, position uh, the that I probably didn't have as a client. I had great planners as a client, but inside the agency, seeing how they operate, and I think that uh, I gained significant uh, admiration. Uh, if you allow me, I'd like to call out uh, two people. Uh, yes, one yes. retired uh, from the agency, Martín Insua, and our current head of uh, strategy, Angela Rodriguez. Uh, two ladies, amazing ladies, that actually uh, taught me a lot when it comes uh, to planning. Um, one thing that i'm very very uh, uh, focused when i talk to planners in projects or your business speeches is the difference between a data point and an insight Uh, that for me is a kind of a pet peeve a lot of people call an insight something that's not an insight Mm -hmm. it's a data point Mm -hmm. it's not a wrong data point but it's a fact Uh, and some people still confuse a fact with an insight Uh, and i think that's probably a difference between an average planner and a great planner. Yes. The great planner sees something beyond the insight that you're not seeing. Uh, in the book, uh, there are several case studies from Alma, not from Alma, from other great agencies, that showed a little bit going deeper than a data point. And and for me, that's that's a beautiful aha moment mm-hmm. when when you when you see a data point becoming an insight, a true insight, and a true insight becoming a great idea. Mm-hmm. That when you connect and probably a great idea being produced yes. because there was a craft in production that closes the loop and say, well, that's why I'm in this business. This is so exciting mm-hmm. to see a brief that sometimes is not a great brief and planners, creators, producers, they 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 make this magic. Um, um, that's one of the beautiful, beautiful things about working in this industry is that we still see magic happening. Um, almost on a daily basis.
1: Yes, I love it. Uh, the Kia case study that, that you had in there, I, th- I think was pretty good with some our friends at Inspire. Yep. Uh, it also reminded me, uh case study we had where Metro prepaid calling cars, you've been in, yep. the, in the business and, and willing to be the outsmarters, right? Like the data point is that they pay less, right? The insight is that they think they're smarter when they pay less, right? They're going, they're 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 kind of like tricking the system into into what's better. So I I definitely agree that happens also. I think with strategy and tactics, right? The yes. The, the overused term strategy in our in
0: our business and crazy. creative concepts and creative executions. Yeah. Sometimes uh, you see thirty seconds TV scripts instead of a creative concept. Yeah.
1: Um, so I think we're you have an event that we need to go to. Uh, I have way more questions that I would like to ask you, but... um,
0: Maybe we do a part B. Maybe do a a part B. Uh,
1: Thank you, thank you so much for coming. Uh, This was very enjoyable. Highly recommended the book again. I think it's just to have it uh, by by your desk uh, when you're trying to sell in uh, Hispanic or multicultural marketing. Because again, one of the things that the book says is multicultural, but you take Hispanic as one of the the strongest points to sell it so thank you thank you so much for being part of loud and clear and choosing this platform as a way to get to know you a little bit more get to know your book a little bit more hispanic market power Uh, if you want to tell listeners where they can find you or where can they you know continue the conversation
0: absolutely uh well first of all thank you for the invitation i had a great time i hope your listeners Um, They will enjoy it too. Thank you, sir. Uh, The book is called Hispanic Market Power. It's from Rootledge Publishing House. Uh, You can find it on Amazon um, and also on Rootledge.com. There's a website for the book developed by my great uh, colleague Silvana Masolo. Uh, It's called HispanicMarketPower.com. You can see my articles on Forbes. We already talked about it, Forbes.com the work from Alma is on amazon.alma@.com and uh, I'm on linkedin I'm on instagram and on x it's going to be ha- it's going to be hard to 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 remove <laughs> the the you tweet on x I tweet on x I don't know what's the verb anymore you, you x on Your x x-ing? Uh, yeah, yeah you know it's yeah, xing is like weird yeah, yeah. um uh and you uh, I hope that um uh, your listeners to this podcast enjoy the book and uh, and leave a good review on Amazon um, and uh, and continue continue this dialogue again the book is my perspective my experience doesn't mean that I'm always right. Um, I hope others get passionate about this topic and um, and we're moving on as we discussed the trajectory is very clear we need to get more sophisticated we need to get more. Um, more um, smart when it comes to helping our, our clients brands grow their business and the book is tentative, is a step towards that direction.
1: Love it well thank you for taking the time to write it and thank you for the years that you spent thinking about it um, uh, thank you for being here this has been Loud and Clear please uh, listen to the podcast it's on Stitcher, Spotify Apple Podcast anywhere where you listen, iHeart, anywhere where you listen to your podcast, please also review it follow us and if you have any topics that you would want to discuss please bring it to our attention we are lermaagency.com you can also find links to the podcast there thank you so much for listening and we'll see you until next time cheers